3: I don't understand people's decision to refuse to wear a mask. I don't understand people who still are acting like this is fake news. Right.
4: And acting as is business as usual. And it's not business as usual. It really isn't.
3: Welcome to Positively Gam, hosted by me, Gammy. Today is a special episode where we're talking about experiencing loss during the time of COVID. I recently lost my mother-in-love. Some people would say mother-in-law, but in my family we say mother-in-love. And I thought that I was prepared and it turns out that I wasn't. In the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of talk how people were experiencing death and dying and not being able to be with their family members. And I knew at that time that that was going to be the experience for my family because my mother in law was in a nursing home. So joining me today is Mona Harris. She's a good friend of mine from my hometown of Baltimore, Maryland, and we realized that we had a commonality in this experience of loss. So tell me about your loss, Mona, because it was your mother-in-law as well. Correct. And they were both at the same facility. Correct. She was well taken care of at that nursing facility.
4: She was actually in the memory care unit, so she had dementia. In March, they said, Well, this is the last time you're gonna be able to come for right now because the pandemic is stopping all visits.
3: How old was your mother in law?
4: Ninety two. Mine was too. She was ninety two. I mean her health was good other than that, and when that pandemic it hit like a ton of bricks because I mean we couldn't go there and one of the nurses was able to let us call her cell phone from time to time and do a FaceTime call. But her being not in her right mind, she didn't know what was going on. But it was just good for us to put eyes on her. Right At the beginning, I don't believe that Merlin was requiring tests. Mm -hmm. I think in mid-April, they started testing. I think they tested her on the 28th of April and found out the next day she was positive. And a week later, on a Saturday, May 1st, as a matter of fact, They called my sister-in-law and asked her if she wanted to have a face call, and they had never done that before. My sister-in-law took the call, and, you know, my, my mom was a little unresponsive at that time. And the next day, which was May 2nd, they called and said her heart rate had went high and her blood pressure had dropped. What should we do? And my husband said, send her to the ER. And he went to the facility, actually, and met the ambulance there. Couldn't go in, but he wanted to see her coming out. Upon her coming out, she wasn't responsive. He yelled, you know, yelled her name, but she didn't respond. So he followed the ambulance up to the hospital. And of course, he couldn't go in. So she was there a couple of days at the hospital, and they called and said that there was no more they could do. They said one person can come to see her, and my husband went. And they covered him from head to toe in all the gear and put his cell phone in the plastic bag so he could do a zoom call for his family members and that's that's the
3: last bounce. Yeah. And for my family, I, I think that our experiences were quite similar. You know, first of all, let me just say that when you have to make the decision to put someone in a nursing care facility, it's well known that, you know, you have to be really careful and thoughtful about the facility that you choose. And a lot of it is based on what the family can afford. So I feel blessed, like I said, that we were able to get her in a facility that we trusted and had confidence in. That being said, though, knowing that the elderly are vulnerable and at risk, it's imperative that we have someone there every day. And we were lucky enough to be able to do that. We had family members. So somebody in the family was there every single day. Rodney's sister brought her mother dinner every day. And it was a schedule for us. At three o'clock every day, we went to see Miss Jean. So having her be able to see us, touch us, talk with us, sit down and spend time with us on a daily basis and to go from that to absolutely nothing was devastating for us and I I just can't imagine what that was like for her you know because they don't quite understand exactly what's going on Rodney's mom was of sound mind she wasn't of sound body but she was of sound mind but still there's a bit of confusion when you know everybody is coming and then all of a sudden nobody is coming Right. Right, you know and it took the facility a minute to figure out how can we involve the family because we know that that is needed. And then they started doing the the weekly FaceTime calls that you mentioned. But it was once a week and it was for... A couple um, minutes. I'm not sure we even got up to a half an hour right. of time with her because they're having to go around to each person, each bed right. and do right. this. So I can imagine the task that it was to to do that, but it was really, really, really something. First, let me ask you, okay. let me go back and ask, how are you guys doing? How are you and Eric coping? How I think
4: everybody is doing as best they can. Everybody has their moments. I know Eric has his moments. Yeah. You know, when he, would, when he was talking about it yesterday, he was having some moments. It hit hard because she and I were pretty close as well. Well, we were very close, not pretty close, even though... Like Eric would say, sometimes she's really not here because she had dementia. But I said, but physically she is here, you know, and we still could touch her. We still could see her, you know, so it's 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 very devastating.
3: Yeah. Let me clarify for the audience, too, that Eric is your husband. She was my mother in love as well. Yeah. Yeah. And Rodney is my husband. So we just want to clarify who we're talking about. So do you feel like the loss of your mom was more related to the COVID or was it just more related to?
4: It, it was definitely the COVID, yeah. Because
3: COVID. she was doing
4: fine before then. Exactly. I talked to, we, matter of fact, we saw a nurse in the um, market a couple of weeks ago. And I guess it was about 30, about 30 patients in her particular unit. And we were asking how they were doing. And she said, my mother loves unit out of, Mm -hmm. say 30 all passed but two.
3: Wow. So, And it sounds like your mother, your mother-in-law, her illness progressed quickly.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if those patients on that unit were more vulnerable, you know, because I don't know who of those patients had other issues other than Dementia. You know, they could have had other issues. Well, my mother-in-law, she didn't. She didn't have any other underlying issues.
3: Yeah, Yeah, my mother-in-law was of sound, sound mind, but she was weakened. Her body was weakened. She couldn't get out of the bed, you know, on her own, and you know, she was she was pretty Mm -hmm. frail. But I still feel like if. I mean, like, I'm not God, but I just feel like if she, you know, hadn't succumbed to to the pandemic, that she would still be, be with us today. Yeah,
4: I, I believe um, that as well, too, you know, because I said she was still yeah. fine. She was still eating on her own. Some of the patients were not. She wasn't walking. She was in a wheelchair, but she still was able to mm-hmm. eat. You know, the conversations were, you know, of course, way out there. But we would still laugh and still talk and you know, we just had a good yeah. time. So
3: this COVID really, really, um, really took a right. I thought that I was prepared mm-hmm. because I, I knew that this was gonna be the case. You know, dealing with loss is such a difficult journey. And no matter what you tell yourself, because I tell myself all the time, well, it's it's just part of the life cycle. Everybody Everybody is going right. to die. We're right. never prepared. Trying to navigate those emotions right. during during this pandemic when you, you cannot be with family and friends to celebrate the life, it was very different. Now, let me ask you, did you and, and your family plan a service? Did you have a and funeral? 10 people
4: could come. And he's got three siblings. So their spouses, that was eight, it couldn't have been in her church where she has been all her life. So she right. couldn't, e- they couldn't even celebrate her there. So it really has taken a toll, you know, because she couldn't celebrate her life the way she really should have been celebrated. But, you know, it was right. a blessing. It was only 10, but it was a blessing.
3: So you didn't have any kind of repast or gathering yes. after the funeral either, mm-hmm. right? Did you have a viewing viewing
4: and a lot of people came for that. So that was a blessing. A lot of people were able to come and we were able to communicate and, and have a little fellowship with them because the funeral home allowed us to communicate on the outside. So the people went through, viewed her body and then came outside.
3: Yeah. Well, for us, we, you know, we were able to have the viewing I mean, even a simple thing is like, you know how you have the guest book where everybody right. signs, didn't have, that. didn't have that. And it's just like everybody having the mask and not being able to hug people. And then for the funeral, it was the same. I, I felt like we were allowed to have more people than 10, but it's not even what you're allowed. People aren't yeah, afraid. They are afraid. We didn't even expect people uh-huh. to come out because you know we're trying to protect and keep people right, safe as right. well. But anybody that did take the time to come, you want to be able to thank them. And and that's what the repast is for. But it's also, you know, an opportunity to just continue the celebration and share stories and have some joy about your loved right, one's and life. Correct. And the idea for me, the idea of not knowing of no family member being able to to be with her in her last hours, all the family members that didn't get an opportunity to come and visit her one more right. time. Right. You know, you don't you you don't know whether well did she pass and they just came in the room and found her or was somebody with her? It's a difficult time. Yeah, you know, it's a really a difficult time. It is an time. extremely difficult time, and I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up again, because like I said in the beginning, there were a lot of stories that you saw on CNN when the pandemic first hit, but we have kind of moved away from that part of this travesty, you know, and I just kind of wanted to remind people because I I don't understand people's decision to refuse to wear a mask. I don't understand people who still are acting like this is fake news.
4: And acting is business as we're usual. Not. And it's not business as usual. Right.
3: It really isn't. We yeah, we could. We really could. Who's, who's responsibility at, at the, the top. top? Yeah.
4: Well, yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I think people have their own way of saying goodbye when there's a loss. But is there anything that kind of stands out in your mind that you maybe would have done had you been able to have the, a funeral in a normal time without the pandemic? I think the biggest thing,
4: because she was a, a lifetime member of Ebenezer Baptist Church. Ah. Great-grandfather founded the church, so she's been there since a child. Ah. So, you know, a lot of memories are in that church. She was, spent her life there, literally.
3: That alone is yes. pretty hard.
4: Our church members couldn't be there, a pastor couldn't be there, right. you know.
3: The celebration that they would Yeah, they would have had. And they said yes. they'll do the
4: memorial service once this is over, but eh, it's really
3: not the same.
4: You know, it's a memorial service. Yes. To me it'll be a little different doing it that way. Yeah.
3: And I agree. I think it is the gathering. And I and I don't even think I realize just how important that gathering and that repast is, it's like you'll <laughs> miss the water until the well runs dry. Right, right. And I didn't yeah. realize just how important that celebration after the actual funeral it really is. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I think people think, oh, it's just, you just just going to eat. It's no, so much more than that. Much more, yeah, much more, so much more than that. so much yeah. more than that. And there's so much comfort that you get from sharing stories and celebration of the life of the person who has transitioned. Where did you find comfort during this time and in, in not being able to do that? Well, Adrian, I don't even know if I found
4: comfort now. I think we just had to accept where we are. Mm-hmm. Because if you really think about it, you know, all her nieces, her nephews, her grands, they all couldn't be present. She was well-loved. So you just had to accept it for what it is. That's There's no it. real closure.
3: That's yes. it. That's the key yes. word, Mona. That, that's how I felt. I felt like there was no real closure, you know, and my husband days after was like, what's going on? And I couldn't quite put my finger on exactly what it was. Well, it's almost like it was, the whole
4: process was rushed. Yes. We were able to take your time and just reminisce on the memories and reminisce on how people are celebrating her. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
3: You know, and once again, recognizing that it's not the fault of anyone. Mm-mm. Recognizing that this is just what is needed during these times to try to keep people safe. Right. right. You know, and and protected. Yeah. So I want to end this conversation on a positive note, okay? If we can, tell me something really good, or uh, maybe a sweet memory about your Miss Catherine. Yeah, Miss yeah. Catherine.
4: I'm gonna tell you, Miss Catherine was she was a type, <laughs> the type of lady that she didn't hold back what she wanted to tell you. Yes. (laughs) And she and I would just laugh. My husband would say, Ma, you can't say that. You can't say that. You know, but, you know, she would just say how she felt. And I would laugh because it was funny to me when Eric said, don't laugh because it's not funny. I said, yes, it is. It really is. She's been on this earth 92 years. Let her say and let her do what she wants. But that's just how she was. Yep. She just said how, said how she felt, and it was funny to me, you know, because she liked to laugh, and so do I. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that was that was a good memory for me. With her. Yeah, yeah.
3: My yeah. my mother, Miss Jean, was the same way, and <laughs> she, as she always would say what was on her mind. But I think the thing that really will stick with me so much is how much she loved her family.
4: Mm. she
3: loved her family she loved her grandkids Mm. and her extended family and she was just such a giving woman you know another thing that that's that sticks out for me is that she was a wonderful cook and we don't have that
4: history oh yeah no we We don't don't.
3: family because I'm not I'm not a good cook you know, she was was always a good cook and that was that was her way of, of showing love to her family was was cooking a, a, a good old meal. So even though we we had such a devastating loss during the pandemic, Mona, we we had these uh, wonderful memories.
4: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So my best to Eric. And thank you so much for being willing to come on and share your story. Not a
4: problem, not a problem.
3: Hopefully somebody will will hear it and it'll help them to know that
4: we get we'll get through it. We're we are we are getting through it, you know. As hard as it is, as hard as it was, we're getting through it.
3: Right. You know? I just want to remind people that the pandemic is not over. Mm-mm. Please, Mm-mm. please, please wear a mask. If not to protect yes. you, then to protect your somebody loss. else. Somebody yes. else. Yes. Wash yes. your hands, yes. wear a mask. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. The only takeaway that I have is that this for now is the new normal and everyone's journey to finding closure and peace will be different. Please remember to the guidelines for safe distancing. Wash your hands and please, please, please wear a mask.
1: a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trepani. I always wanted to be a criminal.
3: Positively Gam is produced by Westbrook Audio. Executive producers Adrian Banfield Norris, Jada Pinkett Smith, Amanda Brown, and Fallon Jethro. Co executive producer Sim Hoti. Segment producer Ash Francis. Associate producer Erica Ron. Editor and mixer Calvin Bayless. Positively Gam is in partnership with Art 19.
2: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: That's
0: right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novela, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen.